hi everyone and welcome back to default global here we engage in conversations with entrepreneurs and remote work specialists from all around the world and today we're thrilled to have kelsey bishop founder and ceo of condor um kelsey we appreciate you being here with us today yeah happy to be here thanks for having me absolutely okay and before we start can you briefly introduce yourself. Uh, can you tell us a few words about your company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started Candor about two years ago, and our goal is to help people find belonging at work. And mm -hmm. the way that Candor started was actually in my own experience. I've worked for a lot of different startups and found mm -hmm. that no matter what company I was at, no matter what role I was at, almost the only thing that mattered in my happiness at a company was whether I had culture fit. And culture fit to me was almost this like obvious thing that I could sense when I walked through a door at a company, but it was really hard to know from the outside if it was going to be a fit for me. It was hard to know if I would like how people did feedback or if people made jokes on the team, stuff like that. Um, and so I started Candor to try to help people ask the right questions and um, really express themselves in a way that felt authentic to them. So help people make these profiles. And Candor is basically a, a product where you make a profile to show how you really work. So a Candor profile has everything from your values to whether you're a morning person or a night owl, anything that teammates may need to know about you to, to basically work effectively together. So right now we're mostly used by remote teams uh, where teammates really want to kind of have deeper relationships, deep, deeper relationships with each other. Um, and and yeah, so so that's what we're working on. We're a remote team of nine right now across seven different countries. And um, we've raised some funding to date. And yeah, right now we're kind of just on this journey to bring candor to as many people as possible. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, okay, and you, you talked a bit about cultural, right? So cultural fit, right? Uh, how does your company specifically approach hiring for cultural fit when your employees are located, like you said, all over the world? Yeah, so there was kind of two parts to our process in figuring out cultural fit and what that meant to us. One mm -hmm. part of the process was defining our values. So uh, could we actually write down on paper behaviors that were celebrated internally at Candor and then behaviors that weren't celebrated, behaviors that didn't really gel with the team. And we used those to basically define five core values that we have. Um, and yeah, basically the way that we did it tactically is we sent out a type form to everyone on the team and asked questions like, who has modeled amazing behavior over the last few months? And what was that behavior? Kind of like describe the behaviors. Um, and in that way, we kind of like grouped the behaviors all together and, and kind of filed them under the, the different values. Um, from there, basically what we do when we are hiring is something called a mutual assessment. Um, it's basically a two-week work trial. So when we're hiring someone, you know, given culture fit is so important to us, instead of going through interviews and kind of like everyone BSing each other on both sides, we actually invite people to work with us for two weeks. And we pay them for kind of like two weeks to four weeks of work. And during that work trial, we have a rubric um, based on culture fit. 
So for every single one of our values, we kind of have behaviors that we're expecting to see within that work trial period. So for example, um, like one of our, to give you a sense, one of our values is to be direct, um, to like really like kind of lead with thoughtfulness and, and directness and transparency. Um, and a behavior in a work trial might be that we're looking for is like someone to like kind of speak up in team meetings, to give feedback, to like not be afraid to kind of share what they think. Um, but, you know, we also in that rubric have behaviors that don't fit that value. For example, like, you know, not speaking up when they have something to say or not really participating in group conversation. Or on the flip side, like being really aggressive with how they're presenting their views and not really listening to other people on the team. So yeah, that's kind of like how we think about culture fit and hiring for culture fit candidates. Okay, sounds good. It seems like you follow this Gary Wynichuk uh, device, hire fast, fire fast, right? <laughs> we do, yes. <laughs> okay. okay, so and, and speaking about this transparency and this openness, right? How does your company ensure openness in its culture while also being mindful and tactful in communicating with remote employees? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we consider ourselves mostly an asynchronous culture, which means that we're doing most of our work on Slack or most of our work in Notion. Um, we're not a super meeting heavy culture. So a lot of kind of like the openness and transparency tactically is happening actually in like pretty open spaces, right? So like if you're creating a document in Notion, you put it in like a public space in Notion so that everyone could have access to read it if they wanted to. Same with Slack. Like, um, most conversations actually happen in open channels and we really discourage and actually people catch each other doing it. If you're kind of in DMS too much, someone will say like, Hey, actually let's move this to a public channel so others can chime in. Um, and I think that kind of like helps tactically with like the openness and transparency. Um, but we do have like a caveat, uh, which is a big part of our cultural mold, which is openness and transparency is important, but it never overrules kindness and making sure that, you know, we're always coming to the table, assuming best intent in each other. Um, so, yeah, it's it's openness and directness, but but never without kindness. OK, OK, sounds good. And from one of your interviews, I also know that your company values autonomy, right, in its employees. How yep. do you maintain that level of autonomy while working with, again, with remote guys, I mean, and I assume in different time zones, in different maybe continents even? Yeah. Tell me more about it. Yeah, so autonomy is super important to us. Um, mostly, actually, from a structural perspective, we don't have managers. Um, so okay. nobody, like, manages each other. I don't manage people. And I think it's a really important concept because most people when they join Candor aren't used to this level of autonomy. They're not used mm -hmm. to not mm -hmm. having a manager be like, oh, you know, what do you have on your docket? What are you doing next? Let's go through your work together. And so it's really important for us, one, to basically make sure people know that this is how we work up front. So that's why we do this work trial so that people can actually experience what that's like. Um, but I think the second part is actually making sure that people are kind of self-directed. And um, there's been, you know, several moments where people get onboarded to the team and we have to have this like kind of calibration where they go to the team for a lot of advice or they're kind of like <clears throat> going back too often and kind of relying on others' perspectives. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty open when that type of thing starts happening and we're like, hey, you know, trust your gut, you make the call. Um, and mm -hmm. if somebody really has an issue with the call you've made, 
they'll speak up and say something. Um, the other thing that we do is while we're very asynchronous, we don't have a ton of meetings, we do all collaborate during um, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time. So no matter where you are in the world, basically it's expected that you're online during those hours. And that's not a full work day, right? So people in Europe actually like will work before 9 a.m. Eastern and like just be online until 2 p.m. Eastern. And people in the U.S. might work after 2 p.m. Eastern. But having that like synchronous time where we're all online, even if we're not necessarily in meetings, allows people to just like check in when they need it and continue being autonomous without getting slowed down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. And going back to, to your hiring process, I'm just curious, you know, all my clients, I mean, like 99% of them, they have at least five stages in their interview process right so and you're saying that you you don't have it so and how 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 does it work really i mean so yeah you, do you still have maybe some pre-screening process uh the beginning right and also i'm curious uh, what is your success rate with this hiring strategy yeah yeah it's a great question um, so basically the process is I'll do a first call with people and it could be engineers, it could be growth candidates. Basically mm -hmm. everyone does kind of like a vibe check, culture alignment check with me first. And that's usually a 30 minute call. I'll ask a couple questions about, you know, how are you growing right now? Or tell me about a project you owned from start to finish, like that type of kind of culture check. And then from there, if it's a technical role, so if it's an engineering role specifically, mm -hmm. they'll usually do some kind of like technical take home assessment. And this is usually like an hour long task. And they'll basically just go through to see if, you know, technical skill set is aligned. Um, but after that, if everything checks out, I'll say, okay, you know, we're going to uh, basically make you a contractor for two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. If you have a full time job, obviously, we can make it more flexible. We can do it over the course of a month. Um, but we usually need between 40 to 80 hours with somebody of actually just giving them tasks, you know, something off the shortcut board that's top of mind, but pretty well scoped. Um, or for a growth role, it's like, hey, you know, can you actually make a piece of content? Show us like what you would do if you were actually in your role week two on the job or whatever it is. Um, and they they get plugged into Slack. They join all of our team meetings and they really get a sense of what my day to day job will actually look like. And so it's worked for us for a few reasons. One is it it gives us the sense of, is this the person we want in this role? Is it working as we imagined? Um, and it's not hypothetical, right? It's not like I'm asking you a hypothetical interview question of what would you do in this specific scenario? No, like I'll just give you a task and let's see, let's see your performance on it. So in that way, it feels a little bit more fair and it feels more cut and dry. Um, <clears throat> on the candidate side, it's also worked really well because you know, senior candidates, which is mostly what we've been hiring for, they want to know that they're going to have culture fit, right? This is like what Candor's entire hypothesis is based around. Culture fit is like one of the most important things to sense. And it's also one of the hardest to sense through a traditional interview process. And so if we can actually get people to the door, they sit on our meetings, they talk to our people, they get a sense of like, am I going to fit here? And what's worked well is we've had so many people get to the end of a work trial and say, hey, like, this didn't really work for me. And, you know, thanks so much, but like, I'm going to move on. And that's actually the best case scenario, right? Like, we've actually never had somebody kind of like quit from candor. 
because I think there was like that alignment when everybody joins the team of this is what I'm expected of, like this is what's expected of me and this is what I can expect of the company. Um, so it is mutual in that sense. So yeah, and you know, I think everyone who's kind of gone through a mutual assessment on our team, it just, it feels like a high confidence hire, which feels really good from kind of like the, the company's perspective. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And you also mentioned that you work with different countries. I mean, you have employees in different countries, right? That's what you said. Yep. Um, and do you see any any kind of differences in terms of cultural, you know, aspects? Um, you know, it was with employees from different areas. We we did have a discussion um, actually around vacation. <laughs> vacation mm -hmm. is very different across different countries. And right. considering ourselves like a U.S. company, we were you know started in the U.S. We're based in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. And while like you know I would say a majority or our highest majority of employees are American, even though like mm -hmm. not more than fifty percent of employees are American. Um, you know, we do kind of have American US standards, particularly when it comes to kind of HR policies. So when we were crafting the vacation policy, you know, there were people in the UK who were like, wow, this is really under standard for what I would, would expect um, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but at the same time, like when we do compensation, we do compensation based on US standards. We don't really adjust compensation that much for the fact that you don't live in the US. So that's been a little bit of kind of like the the cultural impact, I think, of hiring employees in different countries is people have different expectations when it comes to compensation and vacation. Mm -hmm. And we've tried to normalize it a bit of like, hey, we're a U.S. company. We pay U.S. salaries. We also mm -hmm. give U.S. like kind of standard vacation, standard benefits, that type of thing. Because I think if you try to accommodate everyone, what we were finding is like basically, you know, everyone has different national holidays. Right. So right. even in like that small way, you start feeling really out of sync because you're like, well, there's a UK bank holiday today. I had no idea because, you know, I've never been to the UK. I don't know the UK, the UK bank holiday schedule. And very quickly, the team feels a little bit out of sync. So in, in that way, we've tried to normalize it a bit. Okay. Yeah, it, it makes sense. But still, I mean, those guys from UK, for, for example, right, they still want to celebrate their, their local holidays, right? Totally. So you're, totally. you're not allowed, they're not allowed to do that? They can take their vacation days. So what we've done yeah, is yeah, said yeah. like, hey, you know, we can't all keep track of each other's national holidays. But if you do okay. want to take a national holiday, just mark it on the calendar so that people know versus saying like by default, everyone gets their national holidays off because it, then it's, it's quite hard to manage for the team. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And um, as a CEO of company with remote employees right in different countries how do you promote this work-life harmony you know in a remote work environment are there any maybe specific policies or practices that you have found to be effective in achieving this specific goal yeah i do think that the <clears throat> everyone aligns on like work hours for about five hours of the day and then the rest okay. of the day is yours to decide on kind of like your own schedule. Okay. I think that kind of plays into the work-life harmony because because we do have employees all over the world, not everybody is going to work 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. their time. For example, you know, I spend about half my year in Lisbon, Portugal. Mm -hmm. And in Lisbon, I actually like to have my mornings free. So I start work around noon and I work till like 9 or 10. 
Um, And, you know, at at some point, you know, there's hours that I overlap with other people on the team, but I really choose a schedule that works for my lifestyle. And, you know, so I can work out in the morning, I can spend time with my fiance. um, And I think giving people that flexibility allows them to kind of incorporate work and life in a harmonious way. Yeah, yeah. So work from my uh, from my perspective, work life harmony is crucial for remote employees. Um, I yeah. know for sure. And you know, we we even just uh, you know uh, created our own policy on that, and we're trying to implement this. We're trying to remind our employees that listen we have this kind of stuff just read this and just you know do this because it's crucial yeah. and once we did that we we saw that uh, the productivity is you know became much better you know totally and so i guess that's that's crucial crucial thing for any remote first company but again that's that's just from my perspective so but also from from your experience uh how do you prioritize communication in public collaboration among team members who are based in different time zones in different locations? Are there any specific tools or maybe strategies that you have found to be, again, most effective in this regards? Yeah, I mean, I think communication-wise, we're very heavy in Slack. Um, we do all of our like kind of larger documentation out of Notion. But, okay. you know, I'll take a, a second to plug Candor a bit because it is something that I think is really important when it comes to figuring out what your teammate enjoys best when it comes to communication and especially when it comes to feedback. So I find in remote teams, you know, you don't have the same exposure to somebody's body language or, you know, they're just not physically across, sitting across from you. So mm-hmm. especially when you have to have a difficult conversation or when you have to go into a feedback conversation, knowing their preferences when it comes to that is really important. So having something like a candor profile where I can see, okay, you know, Felix, my, our designer on the team really enjoys when um, feedback's giving with with examples. And actually, you know, he wants time to process it. So maybe he doesn't want it over Zoom. He wants it, you know, over Slack. So, you know, having those nuances of what your Mm -hmm. teammates really prefer when it comes to work style, I've found is, is really helpful. Okay. Okay. And um just curious also, how, how do you measure the success of your remote employees, right? Are there any specific metrics or performance indicators that you track to ensure that your remote team is kind of achieving its goals, right? And also maybe you have any specific uh, metrics in terms of um, cultural aspects. If you have this healthy, still have this healthy culture in your inside of your organizations because it's it's kind of hard to measure while while the whole team is kind of remote right yeah absolutely yeah i think on the on the like performance management and metric side we're still at the stage where nine employees where uh the team goals and the team metrics very much are are reflected by individual performance And so if, say, you know, an engineer has an off month and doesn't ship their expected thing, then we don't hit our team-wide protocols, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think we're still at the stage where it's highly visible how people are kind of performing. 
um, where we don't quite like track like any any metrics on that front. It's more like, are we hitting our team goals? Are people performing? You know, are we hitting what we expected to hit? Um, on the culture side, I also think it's like quite qualitative at the moment. So mm-hmm. we actually get together every quarter, okay. which is quite frequent, um, but we get together in person um, in a, you know, kind of location that everybody votes on. So we've done places like Mexico City. We went to Bermuda. We were just in Austin, Texas two weeks ago. And those tend to be a really good time for a culture check, right? Like, are people happy? Are people kind of like getting along? Is there tension that we need to work through? Um, So that in-person time, I do think is like a great pulse check for culture and how people are feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking about that productivity, right? So in one of your interviews that I uh, listened to, uh, you said that your company is also known for its fast paced work style, right? So how do you ensure that your employees do not burn out while maintaining that level of productivity? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think one big part of being self-managed Um, as a concept and not having a manager who's like, hey, you know, you look like you're super burnt out, you're, you know, you're pushing too much, you need to relax. Um, Part of being self-managed is being self-regulating, right? And so being able to catch yourself when you're pushing too hard, but also being open when you see a teammate who's been really pushing for a long time, having the relationship where you're like, hey, you know, it looks like you could use a weekend off. It looks like you need to take a break here. Um, And so, yeah, we do have quite, because of like the openness in the culture as well, I think people feel comfortable, you know, kind of calling each other out and being like, hey, you know, appreciate all the hard work, but make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, so um, I guess, I guess we're good. Um, Thank you so much, Kelsey, for joining us today and sharing your thoughts on Uh, hiring on remote work on company culture and on maintaining this healthy work life balance right so we appreciate your time and wish you continued success with candor thank you so much and thanks for having me thank you